Any man who must say, I am the king, is no true king. Fun fact, pretty much everyone in the entire series who has said, I am the king, or I deserve to be king, has died some kind of usually painful death throughout the entire series, from uh, Robert to Viserys, Joffrey, all of these. So, little fun fact there. I'm also a huge proprietor, by the way, that if Tywin was in charge of the entirety of the Seven Kingdoms, that everything would have worked out fine for the majority of everyone there. One of my favorite characters in the books. But anyway, that's going to bring us in today's topic list, and that is going to be talking about a Kingsguard list. Now, specifically, this list today is not going to be with Joffrey Baratheon and the Kingsguard unit in play, but rather the Kingsguard attachments and making the best use of the NCU um, Joffrey to maximize the benefits of the Crown Zone. This one is going to be a um, fun little list here to play, and we're going to get right into talking about it as soon as we get our legals out of the way of talking about our sponsors. Totino's Pizza Rolls now offering a bonus pack of 20% more because if you're the type that eats these things, do you really care how much and what you're putting into your body? All right, well, that being said, let's get into the actual list. It's a 40-point list. Here's the rundown of it, and then we'll go down, as we usually do, um, the breakdowns of each individual unit and what it's going to contribute to the army. So starting off with our non-combat units, we have Joffrey Baratheon, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms. We have Pycelle, Grand Maester. And then moving on to our combat units, we have the Bastards Girls with Preston Greenfield, Kingsyard attached. Lannister Halberdiers with Barristan Selmy, Lord Commander of the Kingsyard attached. Lannister Crossbowmen with Marin Trent, Kingsyard attached. Lannister Guardsmen with Tyrion Lannister, Halfman, which by the way is our commander, I should have mentioned that at the start. And then Gregor Clegane, the Mountain That Rides. Okay, so let's get into some fundamental basics about how the Kingsguard list works. Every one of the Kingsguard is going to trigger off of having the crown zone of the tactics board and get some kind of bonus effect for controlling that zone. Uh, Joffrey Baratheon, Lord of the Seven Kingdoms, our NCU, one of our two NCUs, is the linchpin of the strategy as he has might of the Iron Throne. While Joffrey is on the tactics board, you count as controlling the crown zone, which opponents can still claim the zone as well. But when he claims the tactics, or sorry, when he claims a zone, the tactics board, your opponent can make one of your combat units panicked. So he does have a bit of a drawback, but that is for the trade-off of being able to trigger every single one of our Kingsguard abilities. Half of the tactics cards in our deck are going to get a bonus effect, and if you claim the proper zone, you can make it so a full 100% of your tactics cards sort of um, are going to trigger all of their bonus effects. So he is kind of the linchpin of why this works. Okay. Uh, our next NCU is Pycelle Grand Maester. Because we are running uh, five combat units, and some of them are a little squishy, we do want to throw out those weakened conditions as much as we can. Um, Pycelle is also a cheap NCU, and the points really work out in the favor there. So before we get into talking about the combat units, let's now take a look at the tactics cards and see exactly what is going to be beneficial here from controlling the crown zone. First, you're going to have Hear Me Roar, which is like the quintessential Lannister card. When enemy makes a panic test, they're going to suffer minus one to the roll for each uh, destroyed rank. Uh, sorry, minus one, and then an additional minus one for each destroyed rank, giving you a potential of a minus three total here. If you control the crown uh, zone, they also become panicked. So we're going to get that effect, and then be able to force a reroll to potentially up to a minus three. Fantastic effect. Fealty to the crown. When an enemy fails a panic test, this card here is going to help us synergize a lot with the fact that some of our units, as I mentioned before, um, are not as resilient as they could be, and especially because we are going to be panicking a lot of our own guys because of Joffrey. Uh, this is going to help mitigate that because it's going to give us a constant source of healing in the army. 
The effect here is for each model removed by this test, restore one wound to a friendly infantry unit within short range of the enemy. If you control the crown zone, you can restore up to two additional wounds. So right off the bat here, this is going to help mitigate if you have any type of panic effect or anything like that by just helping you heal up some more. Okay, Wealth of the Rock. Actually, I'm going to skip over this one. I'm going to talk about the crown ones specifically uh, before we get into others. So we have Intrigue and Subterfuge. When an enemy non-combat unit activates, that NCU loses all abilities until the end of the round. If you control the crown zone, one opponent must also randomly discard one tactics card. This is a nice effect. It's not the strongest you know, extra um, bonus thing that we're getting compared to a lot of the other effects here, but it is going to just give us that little bit of extra edge, so why not? The last crown specific card we have is going to be Counterplot. When an opponent plays a tactics card, roll a die. On a 3+, cancel the effect of that tactics card. Hey, great effect off the bat. It's the second of the Quicentral Lannister cards, causing Panic Test and then Manipulation. If you control the crown, then you can also reroll the die. So a 3-plus rerollable is almost a guaranteed thing if you want to look at it from a statistics and mathematics standpoint. So this is going to give you two times per game, um, initially, the ability to cancel your opponent's tactics cards, giving you more control. Now this is going to be further enhanced by the fact that we're running Tyrion uh, Halfman as our commander, which is going to give us some cycling capabilities to actually pull some of these cards back, but we're going to get into that in a bit. Looking at the other cards that we have available, we have Wealth of the Rock, which is going to give us plus one to our defense save rolls when we're attacked. If we control the Wealth Zone, we're also going to automatically block D3 hits. So a key strategy with this list is that because we have Tyrion as our commander, he is going to function heavily off of the Tactic Zone to get extra cards, and also his cards are going to have bonus effects based on controlling those zones. In addition, the other half of the Lannister deck is going to be based around controlling the Wealth Zone. So there's going to be three key zones that we would usually want to control as a Lannister player. The Crown, the Wealth, and the Tactic Zone, specifically because Tyrion is our commander. With Joffrey, we can kind of ignore the crown zone in favor of claiming the other two to trigger these bonus effects. And that's one of the benefits of having him in the list, and that's how one this list is going to function. So there's not a lot of other armies out right now that are going to make heavy use of the crown zone. Um, so if you're playing against Starks, they're usually not going to want to claim it in favor of another zone, Night's Watch, whatever. Free Folk definitely don't care about it. So unless the opponent is specifically targeting your guys to crown zap them at a minus one of the panic test, that zone is probably going to remain open. Usually as a Lannister player, you'd want to claim it, crown zap some other guys, but here you don't need to do that. You can focus on claiming the wealth zone to give you some additional sustain, or you can claim the tactic zone to give you some additional condition tokens and tactics cards, of which Tyrions are very powerful, uh, in order to get bonus effects. So that's what you're going to want to do when it comes to using your... Uh, NCUs, Joffrey, and Pycelle. Joffrey specifically is going to want to claim the Wealth Zone or the Tactic Zone really more than any other spot to trigger the other bonus effects. You claim the Wealth Zone of Joffrey, you're going to activate every single bonus effect for your generic Tactics cards. So that means all 14 of those cards there in your deck are going to get their bonus effects here, and some of them are immensely powerful. So going back here, Wealth of the Rock. If you control the Wealth Zone, you're going to automatically block an additional D3 hits on top of the plus one defense save that you got. You have your other card, Paid Mutiny. When enemy combat unit activates, that unit must pass a morale test or its attachments lose all abilities until the end of the round and the unit suffers D3 wounds. If you control the Wealth Zone, they suffer minus two to the roll and if they fail, suffer three wounds instead of rolling. This is going to give you abilities, uh, sorry, um, increased odds of killing solo units that usually you wouldn't be able to target too well because they've got really good morale. Technically you could target something like dire wolves here, but frankly, guys, don't don't do that. That's just it's math, it's bad math. But say you have a unit that usually would be very hard to take down on their morale, 
then say anything with a four or five morale, something that's getting those really low numbers here. If you control the well zone, that's going to raise it to an average level and cause three wounds instead of just rolling. And if they've got a powerful attachment or something like that, you're going to shut it off. So a good benefit there. A Lannister pays his debts. When a friendly unit is destroyed, one enemy becomes panicked and one enemy becomes vulnerable. If you control the wealth, also return one other discarded tactics card to your hand. So you, we don't really want to have a lot of our units destroyed, especially in this army, because every one of them is really valuable. So, And also we have a number of ways of already putting out condition tokens, so that part is not really you know, that beneficial to us. Now it helps, but something it's not something we should be aiming to do. The interesting part about this is if we control the wealth zone, we get to return a discarded tactics cards. And as I've explained here, and we're going to get to more of Tyrion's cards, his cards are immensely powerful. They offer a number of cycling options to get cards back out of discard, and this is just one more tool in that kit. Um, once you start cycling a lot of Tyrion's cards, you get a lot of battlefield manipulation, and that is going to be one of the key elements of making this list work. So let's talk about uh, sorry, uh, Tyrion's specific tactics cards and why they are such a linchpin to helping this Kingsguard list function. So the first one you have is Adaptive Tactics. The start of any turn, place this card at the bottom of your tactics deck and return one discarded card to your hand. If you control the tactics zone, one opponent must also randomly discard one tactics cards. So the secondary benefit here is marginal, but that first one is immensely powerful, that you're going to be able to just be able to fish any card out of your discard pile and put it back in your hand. And the best part about this card is that it cycles itself back into your deck. So if you've been spamming the tactic zone all game and near late game, you've actually drawn out your entire deck, this card here can help you just cycle into your discard uh, pile and then basically pull whatever card you want almost every single round or anytime you're forced to draw cards. So the late game can become immensely powerful if you set this up correctly. Delay orders. When an enemy would activate a combat unit, that enemy must choose a different combat unit to activate if they have one available. If you control the tactic zone, instead you choose which uh, unit they activate instead. Guys, immensely powerful card right here. Uh, can get you out of some really nasty clutch situations here, and just a card you always want to have, which luckily, we have ways to cycle it back. We've got ways of making it trigger here, again, with that tactic zone. Cunning Ploy. When a friendly combat unit activates, instead of that unit performing its action, one previously activated combat unit may perform one action instead. And you get the activation token to the unit that is, you know, giving up its activation instead. If you control the tactic zone opponents may not play tactics cards this turn so this is good about shutting off any of those nasty surprises those nasty defense cards that someone might have and it's really good in the mirror match but this one here is kind of the central card of the deck uh, of your playstyle here. A lot of your Kingsguard are going to have effects that are going to trigger when the unit activates. This is going to allow you to kind of cherry pick which one you want in any given time. And frankly, the idea of this list as well is also to maximize each unit as a combat threat. So you can really focus fire down a unit by continuously activating units that they're engaged with to really hammer them down. Your list that you have right here is not going to play like a standard Lannister list in the fact that you don't really have a huge amount of sustain like his one playstyle that you can build with a uh, typical Lannister kind of rock list. This list though does have a lot of ways to just wipe out units if you can focus them down. And that's going to be one of the major aspects of this list and why your combat units and your tactics cards placement are going to be so important. This can be a bit of a tricky list to play. So go into it noting that you're going to have to know really your tactics deck. That's where the real 
power of this list is going to lie. Your combat units are going to be good, but they're a tool to be used. Your, your um, deck manipulation, your tactics card usage, that's going to be the main thing that's going to determine your success and failure when you're running this list. And frankly, that's true of any time you're running Tyrion, but this one specifically. So let's take a look at the combat units that are in this list and see exactly what I mean. Your first unit that you have is the Bastards Girls, and that is led by Preston Greenfield Kingsguard. His effect is while you control the crown zone, each time this unit performs an action, you may draw one tactics card. This is going to be the first uh, element here of helping you get extra card draw and manipulation outside of the tactics zone. So the Bastards Girls are a unique unit in the fact that per activation, they can potentially perform two actions. Because whenever they perform a ranged attack, they can trigger their Order of Sikkim, which is going to then allow them to make a charge action. So effectively, you're going to get two actions in a single activation, thus um, activating Preston Greenfield's effect twice, letting you draw two tactics cards. So the Bastards Girls on their own are actually potentially the weakest combat unit in this army simply because they don't have any neat tricks. You're going to see that there's a lot of sundering in this army. There's going to be a lot of just nastiness that's coming out. But these guys here, combined with the extra activations, are going to really hit guys where they uh, are not going to expect it. The trick here is that the Bastard's Girls should always be getting someone in the flank. You have the economy of actions with the tactics cards to activate units multiple times in a round. So these guys should be getting them in the flanks, shooting guys, potentially making them vulnerable with their tracker's bow, and then charging into the side right there. Uh, the key with the Bastard's Girls is that their armor is absolutely garbage. It's a 6+, plus, which technically does make them immune to Sundering, so you can view that as a bonus effect if you want. But one of the key strategies of them... Uh, is that they also have a 5 plus morale, which means that they're not really going to be affected too much by that panic token that Joffrey is throwing out. So that's something else to consider, and that's one of the reasons they're in the army. It's mainly the low morale to help mitigate Joffrey's negative, and then also the fact that they can are one of the few units in the game that can perform multiple actions on their own per activation, thus triggering the Kingsguard multiple times. I'm going to go to the other unit here that we have that's sort of a semi-range, well, I'm sorry, this one is a semi-ranged unit that is going to charge into melee. The other one is pure range, and that is the Lannister Crossbowman, led by Marin Trant, Kingsguard. He's got Intimidation of the Crown, which is while you control the crown, each time the unit performs an action, one enemy within long range gains one condition token of your choice. This is almost um, interchangeable with where you would want to put uh, each of these Kingsguard. You can put Preston with the Lannister Crossman or Marin with the Bastards Girls, and it just slightly changes the units, but it's really more so what do you want to do with your list. If you put Marin with the Bastards Girls, you're going to throw out more condition tokens uh, and get less card draw. If you put Preston uh, in the Lannister Crosswoman, then you know his effect of drawing cards is going to be reduced slightly. This is going to come down to a personal play, uh, play style. Whether you deem it necessary to put more condition tokens out onto the army, noting that you also have Pycelle, or if you want to draw more tactics cards, uh, in which case you put Preston with the Bastards Girls. So those are your options there, and you can kind of switch those around. I personally find that when I'm playing this list, I'm getting enough um, tactics card draw from the tactics zone and claiming that with Joffrey or other effects. I don't really feel I need to... Um, oh, sorry. That I, I really feel that I just want to get as many tactics cards as I can to get these cool effects. So that's why I put Preston in with the Bastards Girls. 
if I am playing a list that I feel I really would be beneficial to throw down more condition tokens, or if I'm playing in a game mode that I think would benefit that more, such as Fire and Blood or Feast for Crows, I really want to throw down some like panic tokens in, then Marin Trant might make his way over into the Bastard's Girls. But so the Crosswomen are another unit that you're basically going to use with this pincer maneuver. The Bastard's Girls coming up one flank, the Lancer Crosswomen holding another. Uh, Crosswomen in the flank can confer a minus two to a target's defense save because you're going to be shooting them with Sundering into the flank. You throw Vulnerable down on them with Marin Trance, and you can basically start just really, really hurting a unit. Uh, it only takes a couple of volleys to completely eradicate something. And noting here that you've got ways of, if you get in the flank of a unit, giving up another unit's activation to just shoot them again, and then again, and then again. So that's another nasty little combo you have here. Let's get to the unit that is actually holding our commander, that is Tyrion Lannister Halfman in a unit of Lannister Guardsmen. These guys are purely in the list to go and camp on an objective somewhere, and then also to just give up their activation for one of our other actually deadlier units to actually do stuff, okay? Uh, I know a lot of people are going to sit there and go like, oh, the Lannister Guards have a 7 plus save, that means they're so vulnerable, and I'm just going to make them panicked, and, and then what? You've got to get to them. And frankly, the other part about this list as well is that if my commander actually gets killed, I don't really care. Because while Tyrion has a fantastic effect on his own, which by the way is superior strategist, that's when an opponent plays a tactics card, you can negate it on a 5+, plus and actually pitch tactics cards to give yourself a reroll, so having more cards is more fuel for that. That's a nice effect, but Tyrion being alive or dead at the end of the game doesn't really matter to me so much, because unlike other commanders, he doesn't have a strong battlefield presence, his effects are mainly going to come through his tactics cards. So if they really want to focus down this unit that, again, I'm just kind of holding off to the side here to survive or claim objectives and give up activations, then that means they're ignoring other elements of the army. And if you're going to say, oh, well, I'm just going to crown zap you know, that unit down, that means you're taking the crown and not any other zone, so congrats. I don't really care. You're doing something beneficial for me because I would much rather you have taken the crown, hit that unit, then I would have taken, you've taken the combat zone or the wealth zone to heal your guys up. You know, literally almost any other zone I would have preferred you take instead of the crown. So you didn't do yourself any favors there. Next unit we have is going to be Gregor Clegane, the Mountain That Rides. This is going to be an option on the list just because he is a four-point unit. Um, he can get focus fired down, but if he's allowed to just make consecutive attacks, he can start rampaging through a unit. This is also... Uh, in the list because he's got two plus save so he does have some staying power but the thing is, is that you really 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 have to watch out for anything that does straight wounds because that will just burn him down and, and take him out uh, he does have a three plus morale save though which means he is going to help further mitigate that joffrey tax that we're paying aka the panic tokens so as you can see here in this list, we have the Bastards Girls that have a 5-plus morale. We have Gregor Clegane that has a 5-plus morale. Uh, we have the unit that I'm about to talk about, Lannister Halberdiers, sitting here with a 5-plus morale. And then we have a unit of Guardsmen that have a 7-plus morale. Uh, Crosswomen as well, sorry, sitting at 8-plus, which is absolutely garbage. But really, those are going to be the two key units that your opponent's probably going to throw down those uh, panic tokens on, is your Crosswomen and your Guardsmen. But note, just having those tokens isn't going to really do them a benefit. They actually have to have something to, you know, trigger those tokens with. So, yeah, they can crown zap your crossbowmen, but whatever, you can take the wounds. Or they can crown zap your Lannister Guardsmen, which, again, I just said are a sacrificial unit. So, all the units that you really care about, the Mountain That Rides, your Halberdiers, and your Bastards Girls, 
those are going to be almost immune to the effects of the panic token, and even if they do fail, the wounds are going to be very marginal. So the last and most expensive unit that we have in this list is going to be a unit of Lancer Halberdiers, led by Barristan Selmy, the best character in the setting. I know I said Tywin earlier, but let's go with the polar opposites here of what is a good guy that's probably going to get himself killed, and then a ruthless guy who, while also got himself killed, um, is probably just way smarter. Barristan has Stalwart, so the unit's going to get plus two to their morale save, and then Duty to the Crown, which is while you control the crown, each time the unit passes a morale test, it may restore up to D3 wounds. This is, on a 5+, plus, you're going to be passing the vast majority of the time, and the Halberdiers are not going to have any attack die drop off until their very last rank, so combine this with the Lancer healing effects, and then the fact that you'll be claiming the Wealth Zone fairly often, these guys should always be throwing their full blunt of attacks. They have Sundering Base into their effect right here, and then they also have Set for Charge, which is the, uh, if the unit is unengaged and charged in the front, they may make one attack action against that enemy before they resolve their charge attack. This is another one of those units that theoretically can get multiple actions um, in a round, so to trigger additional effects, such as Mare and Trant and Preston uh, Greenfield, but frankly, I don't view Set for Charge as anything other than conditional. Uh, so that's why they're not sending one of these units. Plus, I really wanted the Stalwart to be in these guys to really help them out because I need them to help survive. Something to note about Lancer Halberdiers that a lot of people overlook, uh, or sorry, not overlook, but just kind of play wrong. These guys have seven dice uh, with Sundering on the charge, which is going to give you rerolls. A lot of people I see will just sit these guys back and wait for the opponent to charge them. No, these guys need to get into the thick of things. They are a charging unit. You get them in there, they can deal some damage. Uh, they just have the added benefit that if, for whatever reason, they need to camp an objective, or they get charged, they can still punish the opponent for doing that. The other option here is, say you really, really hate Lannister Halberdiers for whatever reason, you can switch these guys out with a unit of Mountainsmen if you want to focus a little bit more on the offense. Now, you're going to be losing Sundering in favor of Critical Blow and Vicious, uh, for those guys. Uh, I like the fact that this list has just a majority of Sundering, but Barristan Selmy in either of those units is going to be fine. I just really kind of felt that I wanted a unit that I feel is better for holding an objective. So if I get to the objective, I can just camp on it. And because I've got action economy by giving units extra actions throughout all my tactics cards, I felt that I can get to objectives fairly quickly. So therefore I want the Halberdiers there because keep in mind, this is still an objective based game. While you want units that can kill guys, you're also going to need some that can go and just hold a spot. I mean, we have the Lannister Guardsmen for that, but I feel that the Lannister Halberdiers also function with that role very well. If they were unit Mountainsmen, I would almost feel like I'm wasting them, just sitting on an objective and waiting for the opponent to come to me. Here, I'm giving the opponent a bad choice of, okay, yeah, you can charge into me, you might deal some damage to me on the attack after I've hit you with my Sundering Halberds, but then Barristan has probably healed himself, uh, healed the unit up a bit to help mitigate that charge impact. And, you know, then I'm going to come back and hit you again with my Sundering. So that's the thoughts there. Overall, again, this is not going to be a easy list for beginners to pick up. I don't think that Tyrion is the easiest commander for people to just pick up out of the blue and start winning games with. But once you actually learn how to use him and how to just combo his tactics cards and how his general gameplay flows, he can be absolutely devastating. So that is really the takeaway here. This is going to be a list, and I kind of repeated this last time when I was talking about Tyrion. You're going to need to play a couple times to kind of get the hang of. 
And also understand that you're playing with an extra weakness here because your guys are going to get panicked. Uh, and you're going to have to find ways of dealing with that. Now, the natural list here has been built in of ways to counter it. And your opponent's going to really gravitate toward sticking that panic token on your uh, crosswomen or your guardsmen because it's almost a waste of their units. So we're not really giving them a huge amount of options there. The thing about that is that the, a lot of people will look at this list and be kind of scared because, oh yeah, I'm throwing panic on my own guys. But your opponent actually has to be able to do something with that. If they're throwing it down on the crosswomen, the crosswomen are going to die if they see combat anyway. So throwing them panicked on there is not really going to help them too much. The guardsmen, same thing. So whatever. That's if they're engaged in combat and it's prolonged, it's going to be a bad situation for them to begin with. So I don't really care that they are now slightly worse than that. The other units in the army... Uh, really don't care about panic too much because they're rocking a 5+, plus, so you can only fail so much on those without any modifiers, and most armies don't have those. That's going to be the list, guys. That's going to be the general tactics here. Try it out. Let me know what you think, and then later on, let me know what you guys want to see. I believe that we're going to start moving into looking at some Free Folk and Night's Watch lists here, and that's going to be it for next time. All right, guys. Take care. We'll talk to you then.